Untitled Beatles Podcast. All right, says we're recording. Well, welcome to Untitled Beatles Podcast. I'm Tony Mendoza. Hey, TJ Shanoff. Hey, Tony. Hey, how are you, man? I'm great. We're going to talk about the Beatles for, we're planning on 30 minutes. It's going to go an hour and a half. So I'm, I'm always excited to do it. Oh yeah. I'm ready. Man. Yeah. This is always director's cut. We don't, we always give you the director's cut. Dude, my life's a criterion edition, Holmes. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Is that, would, would that have made me cool in like 04? Would that have given me I some think it's still cut? cool. It's still cool. Especially if they're doing a three month for free thing. It's very cool. Okay. I dig it. If they're doing that. <laughs> That's a request. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to talk about our five favorite Beatles outtakes. So that means anything that wasn't officially released by the Beatles during their uh, career from 62 to 70. Um, so that would include things off of their deck audition tape and maybe the star club live versions of things or um, bootlegs um, and stuff that maybe eventually got released on things like anthology and all that. So that's the criterion. Um, uh, I forget. Did you want to start, TJ, or do you want me to start? Uh, you can go ahead and start. I will say I didn't consider those, those Star Club recordings um, okay. as, as part of the, uh, our menu. But uh, I don't know. There's a couple of like – because a couple of the songs I liked were sung by one of the waiters there, right? <laughs> I think a few of those were that guy Horst. <laughs> Where have you been all my life is the some German waiter. And I got I got a thing, like I'm cool with Germans. It's not it's not the forties anymore, but as a Jew, those the whole Hamburg era of, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I gotta hear German screaming on my Beatles music. And, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Right. Wasn't wasn't that at the time it was like 15, 20 years. Yeah. And I also see Leap Dick and uh Come Gimme Dinah and those don't count on this, do they? Can we dismiss the German language? Uh, well, they released, they released those during their time, so those are not outtakes. Right. Well, <laughs> that's a great point. One of the strangest things is that Come Gimme Dinah and was on uh, something new, but Silip oh, right. Dick was not. I think not released till rarities in the early 80s. Yep. Yeah, you're totally right. I forgot about yeah. that strange inclusion. On something Weird. new. <laughs> Dave Dexter smoking a cigar. Fill it with anything you want to. Yeah. Put the misery on again, you know? Yeah, and EQ it weird. Right. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of reverb. Well, I tell you what, TJ, I'm going to start with something very controversial here. Um, my number five pick, so we'll go from five being your, <laughs> from one being your favorite Beatles outtake down. So my fifth favorite Beatles outtake is if you've got trouble. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> Ringo songs that didn't make the obligatory cut. I don't have time. I, I, I got another Beatle podcast. I gotta, it's, go on. Go off, this is an go oft on, maligned on. song. People love to shit on this song. Um, if you got trouble makes that makes a lot look good. That means a lot. <laughs> Yeah, this song, yeah. it's got a catchy beat. It's got a catchy tune. Is it up to the Beatles standards? No, that's why it's an outtake. Um, but I love I love Ringo's voice on it. It's, it's actually one of his more, like I said, tuneful songs. I love that going into the solo, he says, rock on 
anybody. Knock on anybody. <laughs> they, it sounds like they push him up in the mix for anybody. <laughs> like even the engineers are like, all right, this song is whatever. But I think it's, I mean, it, I think this could also be like a groovy, like, one of, like just like a Lothar and the Hand People song or like one of those duff, like 60s West Coast pop art experimental. Like it could be one of those like, Beatle uh, lookalike bands that's in a beach movie or something. <laughs> it's it's a Ruddle song. Yeah, it's exactly. So for you those reasons, I like it. In the head, <laughs> soft in the head, <laughs> soft, soft in the, the head. head. <laughs> Give me credit for getting that part. I mean, I got enough. Soft in the head is a hilarious line. <laughs> <laughs> so who wrote that? Is it a John and Paul for Ringo? Or yeah, that's that's a Lennon McCartney yeah, man. Right. That's a Lennon, and it's also it's a Lennon McCartney. You know, I'll, well, honestly, I'll take that over. I will take that over whatever else was it was going to be on that record for him. Maybe. I think they, they wound up putting Act Naturally because that was yeah. for help, right? Yeah, and that was for help. Did the old Carl Perkins tune instead. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I much prefer this song to that song. It's got a great drum intro. I wonder if they'd mm-hmm. gotten further if George Martin would have cut that or kept that. It's just such a weird entry to a Beatles song. You know what it is? It's the first note of Tomorrow Never Knows. Ringo wrote Tomorrow Never Knows at the beginning of If You've Got Trouble. Ringo should sue Yoko. <laughs> I think I think they did. <laughs> Future kids looking at Revolver going, wow, Tomorrow Never Knows, Lennon McCartney, Starkey. I thought that was just what goes on. But no, oh, it's Tomorrow Never Knows. No, okay, we're, Beatle, so- we're Beatle truthers, TJ. So, sorry, we're, we're the QAnon of, of Beatledom. Yuck, yuck, by the way. Um, also, I don't think Republicans know how to be Beatles fans. That's a story for a different podcast. I don't want to get political right now. Um, you don't get the message. The Beatles were socialists. We talk about this every week. And love. every week I say, let's not talk about it. Right, love. Um, <laughs> well, I think that's so, the through line. That must be said at every podcast. You just got to throw that it, one in there. Because <laughs> it's true. Let yeah. me ask you this. When did you, where in your beetling did you get into uh, If You Got Trouble? I heard it. So, yeah. So I used to go to record shows back in the 90s. And that's where you could get, uh, it was it was in the Chicago suburbs at a Holiday Inn in Hillside. And they do they it They still do it. Do they? Yeah. Oh, man. I loved that. That was, yeah. so not to go too long, but I just, it was a wonderful, I looked forward to those record shows every month. And yeah, so it was a guy that would sell the Beatle bootlegs, but he'd sell them for half the price because it was just on a dubbed Maxell cassette or whatever. So, and I had some, yeah. So I also got like a hodgepodge a lot of times of like, here's something from Ultra Rare Tracks 9. And here's something from a John Lennon, uh, like him, John Lennon's demo for Ringo's I'm the Greatest and all the takes and all him like clearing his throat and <laughs> I loved it. Right. Anyway, so that's where I heard it. I heard it probably so that would have been in like high school. Okay. Okay. So uh, it's a great call. Uh currently for those of you who are watching this who haven't died yet, um <laughs> and not from COVID, just in general. Uh you can yeah. I think that's on anthology too. Finally, mm-hmm. that and that means a lot were finally mastered or remastered and thrown out there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I heard it like three years before that or two years before that. So anyway, yeah. What do you got? Cool. What's your number five? Uh, I haven't, I'm going to rank them on the fly right now. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and give my number five. Can I have a tie? 
Sure, man. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna save my tie because I like my tie too much for number five. Number five is one that I don't think you love, Ooh. and I don't love the official version as much as I love the uh, the early take version. And it's an early run from Ultra Rare Tracks. Later, put an anthology. I think three of Obla Di Obla Da. Oh, yeah, not the Easter version, but the one that I don't know if Jimmy Scott's playing the bong, but the bongos are real high up in the mix. The tempo's faster. It's in a different key. It feels actually more like ska. Yeah. To me, alt, it's more, it's lo-fi. The, the, that Ubla Diga Da, to me, is the one that I'll go to when I'm putting the playlist together. It's, it's more joyful. It doesn't feel as studied. It doesn't feel like take 177 or however many takes Paul Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, it has a more, it has a more band quality to it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that one. Yeah. It misses that, but it doesn't have that classic piano intro. No, it doesn't. It starts with the bongos. And I got into that one. I started collecting the, I'm a few years older than you are. I'm 80. Uh, I think you're one year, one year. Uh, 75. 74. <laughs> Respect, elder statesman. <laughs> Let me teach you what I know. But so, so same age. I think the only difference is I just got into. I saw that Beatlemania play when I was four, and that that changed. I I was collecting Beatles stuff in kindergarten, so it started very young for me. But I'll make a long story very short. Uh, growing up here in the city. We didn't really drive the car very much. And in the early 90s, when I was in high school, we still had my father's 82 Chevy Caprice Classic. Not particularly notable, except for the fact that in the early 90s, it had an A-track player. Yeah. Now, when all my other friends had tape decks or some, the real rich kids had CD players in their cars in the early 90s. <laughs> Good luck with that. Skip City. <laughs> Skip City. You hit a bottle. <laughs> you don't do CD players in your car in Chicago. Like, you don't put ketchup on a fucking hot dog or root for the bag. <laughs> Um, but i was so weird with the beatles stuff that i i went to a thrift store and bought an a-track recorder where you could do a line in for a a cd disc man for us from rca plugs basically for the non-technical i could make a-track mixes from cds and (laughs) in my car in high school i drove around listening to an a-track i made called the Beatles, the recording sessions, and it's all songs from ultra rare tracks. Where wow. I, typed, I typed it all out. This would have been 1991, my junior high school. For some reason, I have on the spine digital stereo on the A track. Oh, I love I it. I don't know that it is. And you typed it and you taped I, it. I mean, that is that's a work yeah. of art, man. I, I had to show you that. So that Ubla Di Ubla Da is on here. Um, <laughs> also, that means a lot is on here. Uh, I don't think if you got trouble made uh, 11th grade days, uh, let's, but yeah, so that, that Uba Di Uba Da at any rate to me is the one that's just more soulful is the wrong word. More ska may not be correct, but it's just more joyful and more organic to me. I, yeah. I'm with you, man. Good pick. Well, yeah. my number four is I like uh, similarly, um, there was an earlier version of can't buy me love that came out. Uh, or, you know, that, you know, which version I'm talking about. It's, it's, uh, the one that they eventually released on, I guess that's anthology one. Um, I don't know 
when it was recorded, I, sh- I forgot to check my Lewis and book, but it's definitely in there. Anyway, I love the spirit of that recording. I love the backing, the backup vocal, the, the call and response that is missing from the single release. I love, I think, how does it start? It starts excitingly, if I recall. It, okay, you just mentioned my number one. That's <laughs> my number one. And it is the definitive camp by me, love. It's more, I don't want to, I'm going to let yeah, you, no, I don't want to take the focus from you. No, you should because it's, it's your one. It, it's slightly more countrified. It almost feels like a more country or rockabilly yeah. take. It feels more like that. a, feels like a Carl Perkins tune. It starts off the same way with Paul's count in one, two, three. And it's in a higher key camp by me. Love. It's, yeah, it's in a higher key. Yeah. And yeah. it's got those harmonies. It's. It is my favorite alt version, buddy. I love that that's on your list. That that makes my heart a little warm. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Yeah, yeah. This and I and I get what did I write here? Uh, I, I yeah, I get why it it doesn't sound like a single. That's what I said. I I wrote. Does it sound like a single? Question mark. And it it doesn't. It doesn't have that sheen that the actual version, released version has. But with that version polished, this one makes more than makes up for in spirit you know it, it's raw it almost feels like a live like a great live version of it yeah 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 those That's harmonies cool. the, those harmonies to me are gorgeous some of the best early beatles harmonies and here's a little trivia there for you the uh anthology one version quote unquote flew in a different George Harrison guitar solo. <laughs> really? Uh, the, the original outtake of it that's on I think Ultra Attracts Volume Two. Um nice. is yeah, I I mean well I also I mean I knew but I also refreshed myself. I want to pretend like I walk around I don't know the track list for every, you know, what's the new Mary Jane on Ultra Track Six? <laughs> <laughs> I can't you know No, but I, this is this is Beatles yeah. forensics right here. So, right. you, <laughs> so on the original bootleg that all the, the Beatle uh, jerks and stuff heard before <laughs> Anthology came out, there's a different solo is what you're telling me. Yeah, it's a different George Harrison solo that is rougher than the one they, they flew in for Anthology that they digitally uh, inserted. Uh, but the fact that it's rougher to me, that that's one of those anthology, like another, we could segue into my next one because I've got a problem with the anthology version of this. Let's hear it. My next one is take one of a fairly, one of the few obscure Beatles songs left, take one of a song called Yes It Is. Oh, I love that Which song. is just, it's just a gorgeous song. And the release version is drenched in these reverby harmonies that are haunting and beautiful. The take one is just John playing the acoustic with Ringo on drums. It's got to be Ringo on drums, right? I don't think that's Paul playing drums for the early yes, it is. No, no, that's got to be Ringo. Yeah, it, it he's is, also it, hitting the cymbals with that, with, you know, with that touch. Anyway. that t- Totally. And I think Paul, at the beginning of that, uh, the early bootleg version of that is instructing Ringo. He was just do a little, she's kind of instructing Ringo how to play the the triplets. Um, but on the anthology version, they, I think it's the, one of the first few tracks on anthology two, they bail on the demo and fade into the finished version, the studio version where he muffs it up. Right. Which is just bullshit. I mean, part of the beauty of it being take one is John's figuring it out. Uh, if anybody's buying Anthology 2 in 1996, 97, or whatever it is, 
you would think they'd be forgiving of a take one of a song with John kind of falsetto whistling because he can't remember it. Defeated. It starts with the beautiful demo. I mean, I love the finished track, but that's not what it was for. So if you can find that early Yes It Is take one uh, where the demo goes longer being rough than on the anthology too. To me, it's just beautiful. It's just John working it out and the genius flowing from him lyrically and musically is, is impeccable. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Yeah. And yeah. I totally forgot that they did that with that, that manipulation from the fade into the, yeah. Like who's, yeah. I don't know whose idea that was. Bad idea. Well, why? If if you're buying that, what? Oh, I can't believe I got a mashup of the demo version and the official <laughs> yeah. release one. Just Thank what everyone God. wanted. Yeah, <laughs> that belonged. It, whoever put rarities together, that belonged with all the doctored. Like, here's three different I am the walruses, and we'll pretend <laughs> like it's a rarity. Not a rarity. You made it. it Some made it in a studio on cocaine in 1979 to sell more Beetle product for Christmas that year. <laughs> You're Rarity. talking about the uh, I am the walrus with six beats in front of it instead of yeah. four. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the German all my loving with the, the hi-hat intro. There's all these weird, like, not yeah. on my list. Yeah. But yeah, so that's uh, so <laughs> great one. And I, I didn't mean to hijack, but similar with Yes It Is, where the, uh, the manipulation for anthology was not faithful and, and unnecessary. <laughs> Well, my number three is All My Loving with the hi-hat intro. <laughs> I love Same that. song. <laughs> Just five hi-hat beats. No, so my number three uh, is a Beatles for Sale uh, outtake, I believe. Uh, another spirited thing. Uh, Leave My Kitten Alone. Is that on yours? It, it It's on the bubbling under list of mine. If we had 10, it would be. it's definitely on the A-track. I love it. I'm surprised yeah. it was left off Beatles for Sale. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wrote down that I would take it over pretty much all the other covers and more controversy and controversy. Um, <laughs> I, I would I would uh, if I were to redo Beatles for Sale, I'd get rid of um, what did I write down? I get I'd get rid of rock and roll music and I'd put on Leave My Kitten Alone and I'd keep Mr. Moonlight. First of all, for an album Asshole. that clocks in at, at like 36 minutes, why do you have to get rid of it? You can't add one more. Do you work for Parlophone? Do you not want to have like, got to be 14 songs. Uh, Rock and roll music uh, is one verse too long. Uh, it is. And the tango and the mambo and all that, I, I get it. But the beauty of rock and roll music is George Martin doing those what 16th notes on piano is is pretty worth it. Yeah. And, and Lennon's vocal is much better than Mr. Moonlight or this other song, leave my kitten alone, but I just like the song better. I think it's a great song and it's just, it's just fun. It's, it's really fun. I I feel like, well, yeah, a lot of times the fun of the Beatles was lost in that sheen, you know? So this is just a fun song. I don't know why it was left off Beatles for sale was leave my kitten alone. I don't think was a big hit for anybody. Like a lot of the songs, they rock and music was a massive Chuck Berry hit. Yeah. Right. Mr. Moonlight was an obscurity. Was yeah. it Dr. Feel good in the yeah. summer others? Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. something like that. It was, yeah. I think it was Dr. Feel good. Okay. Yeah. That one was obscure. So I, I, yeah, I mean, honestly, let's be honest. Leave my kitten alone should replace Mr. Moonlight. I mean, they're both obscure. 
but maybe, yeah, maybe they just thought that Mr. Moonlight was a good mood for the record itself and that Leave My Kitten Alone would make it too raucous or something. Don't know. It's funny you say that. Beatles for Sale is a kind of a tired sounding album. We talked last week. I love those first three songs. Uh, uh, no Reply, I'm a Loser, or The Babies in Black are just as a, you know, I mean, you can't argue with, uh, Sergeant Pepper, little help. And Lucy, I'm not comparing it to that, but just for me, there's always been, it's a little down, it's a little dour, it's a little countrified, and then bluesy. I've just always, but that's the beauty. Every Beatles album is different from the previous one. They yeah. all sound so different from each other in spirit, in tone. The the sound of uh, uh, smoking pot and coughing before Taxman on Revolver. Think how different that is from the clean British soul of Drive My Car on Rubber Soul or yeah. the or the Falky I'm Looking Through You on uh, Rubber Soul in America, one album before that. Every album started and felt differently. I, I just don't know that there's other bands who have been able to do that with every album while being uniformly incredible. It's true. It's true. Do you think the Beatles are responsible for shorter attention spans because they change so much? <laughs> yeah, maybe they're they're to blame. Okay, <laughs> Beatles, nine eleven, <laughs> the bullshit. Around, what are we talking? About? What are we talking about? The change. Well, we're people? pitching to Oliver Stone right now that the Beatles <laughs> were behind nine eleven. <laughs> I saw it on Reddit. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I read it on saw it. <laughs> that just gave me a baby stroke. Um, so you got three. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say great call. That is a great one. And one last Mr. Moonlight thing. I might be mistaken, but I think they did Mr. Moonlight on the uh, star club tapes. I think that was a concert favorite of theirs. Yeah. 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 A lot of the, I think a lot of Beatles for sale was like, okay, we only have eight songs and we need, Six more, and what did we used to play? What was fun for us? Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, what do you got for number three? Number three, I got to do this in real time right now because we were to give my number one, so I have two to go here. I'm going to go ahead and give my tie of two early Beatles songs that only demos exist. They were covered by other artists. They're both under two minutes long. I'll be on my way and bad to me yeah. are, two, are uh, just further proof. I think uh, I'll be on my way is Paul bad to me is primarily John. I mean, that's yep. when they were eyeballing, but you know, I'm not, you remember that book that broke down every, what, what was it called? I got it somewhere here. Beatles yeah. songs maybe it's, where it's like 0.7 to Paul and 0.3 to John. Oh you know? yeah. I forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, t I totally forgot. Yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, that's that was good. I mean, I don't know what the science was, but yeah. Uh, I uh, think the science was trying to sell a book. <laughs> I think at the time was that. I love, but, uh, I mean, so yeah. I, I, well, I, uh, yeah, Bad to Me was one that I would I would put that one. And it, it sounded like it was just, I had like a demo version that Lennon, it sounded like it was just Lennon with a guitar. It's, that's all they have. That's all the only yeah. demo I think that exists. Oh, it's a beautiful song. If you song. ever leave me, I'll be sad and blue. Yeah. It, it, it almost feels like an improvement on Do You Want to Know a Secret? It yeah. feels like an elevated version of that kind of almost Gershwin-y. And that's, again, we, this is a whole different rabbit hole, but they, they were influenced by standards and Rogers and yeah. Hart. Beautiful and Dreamer and almost Porter made my list. 
that's all. Remember when when that finally was released officially? I think live at the BBC too. That was like a big selling point because how could that have been hidden for so long? It have been bootlegged forever. But yeah, yeah. that's a great one. I mean, till there was you was from the Music Man, and <laughs> yeah, it became a Beatles standard those first couple years in the states. So. They they soaked up everything R and B country show tunes. Uh, 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 they were able to kind of take everything and blend it together in a way nobody else could. I always love that line. Uh, our our favorite American group, Sophie Tucker. Is that what Sophie Tucker? <laughs> this is my favorite American group. Sophie Tucker. They go to so good. So good. <laughs> that, well, I think it's that's another a- episode for another time. You and I come from an improv background. And uh, which is it used to be cool to say now I need to use some mouthwash. I could use like a Listerine strip if you're talking about improv on this podcast. <laughs> what about improvised Beatles? Yeah, that's just it. I thought you meant as a concept for a uh, like a show. Like we'll we'll rent out uh, <laughs> the bug house and we'll do improvised <laughs> Beatles. It's just it's it's me and you <laughs> as the two surviving Beatles. <laughs> That makes you Ringo, I think. Yeah. 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 I'm right. Ringo. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> it makes it sense. And your Paul, it makes sense. We could do the, maybe I'm amazed. All right. Anyway. The, those two songs are great. And uh, I'll be on my way is it's very sunny in the spirit of I'll follow the sun, but it's, it's economical. It's short. It's got such pretty changes. They were right. I was wrong. True love didn't last long. And this, it's so easy as the June light turns to moonlight. It's, yeah. It, but it, to me, it's it's easy, but extraordinarily so. I've always loved it. Were they both? For, was that Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas that did both of the, or the Mersey Beats? It was, it was some, I forget who, who had the hits. Another one they from that. one of them. Uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I was just saying uh, Billy J and the Dakotas did one of Billy Kramer did one of them. And, you know, I think you're right. Yeah. There's that other one that Lennon did around that time that anyway, I'm in love. I think it's called I'm in love, right? I'm in love. I'm in love again. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great song. That is that, that it didn't make my list, but honorable mention from that era. Okay. Um, cool. Well, my number two, this one just came out. I had only heard about it with the White Album uh, reissue uh, last 2018. The Good Night, Take 10, the guitar picking Donovan style version with the with the, the other Beatles singing harmony on it. I just love it. And yeah, it's, it's sloppy and it's I wish they'd had another run at it. I, I, I would like to hear like a more perfected version of that, but that's all we get. And I'm happy. I'm happy. I could listen to that, that guitar progression, that style of picking. I could listen to that all day. It's almost like it is in Julia, right? Is it? It's the same as Julia and dear Prudence. Right. Junk is written like that. Right. Um, there, there are a couple others I'm forgetting, but they employed it quite a bit. Um, and I, I just love it. I find it, I don't know if it's the hypnoticness of that progression, but I just, I love it. And um, I forgot what else I was going to say about it. Mm-hmm. I guess that's it. So did George Martin and kind of making it in, in that Disney world that, that John wanted, did George Martin help or hurt or hurt it in your estimation? 
I think for that record, yeah, they did it right. Uh, I, yeah, that what a wild way, what a wild way to close that record out with this Disney production coming out of <laughs> Revolution, like the scariest, the scariest thing you've ever heard the Beatles do <laughs> into the like the most saccharine. Not even not saccharine's not the right word, but it's it's Disney is the word like Crayola or Kodak or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's the word for it. Technicolor. That's what they yeah. wanted. Was like that Disney kind of yeah. That whole story. And that's what George Martin did so well. I mean, it's one of the great things about the Yellow Submarine orchestration, that soundtrack. It's a bummer that side two of the Yellow Submarine album is the George Martin stuff, but it's also neat and interesting. Yeah, yeah. I bet I bet that's our least fav- uh, least listened to Beatles side. Everybody's copy of Yellow Submarine has a side two with no dings. It's always in near mint condition. Yeah. People are selling just that side on eBay. <laughs> so they side, saw it finally. <laughs> side A's got a huge scratch through Hey Bulldog. No reason. Side B is just in, in pretty That's a funny shape. song. And that song just had a renaissance like three years ago. Everyone was talking about Hey Bulldog. Like, they, like all the people that only have the greatest hits records discovered... Hey Bulldog, what, three years ago? It, it is one of my, as a piano player, two favorite piano riffs of all time. Yeah. It's just such a great riff and doubled on Paul's bass and, and the guitar. The whole thing is just, the yeah. whole thing is brilliant. I mean, honestly, yeah, we, we'll, we'll do a pot. We should do one of these about uh, their throwaways and how amazing their throwaways are. Yeah, that, uh, you know, Leave My Kitten Alone could easily have been talking about throwaways uh, for Beatles VI in the States, they recorded uh, Bad Boy and uh, that Larry Williams song, Bad Boy, and Slow Down. Yeah, yeah. Leave My Kid Alone could and should have been among that crop. On that EP, you bet. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, do you, you want to throw me like a, how about, I know you just had a tie. Give me, how about a number two from you? You got one of those? Yeah, and it's tough. There's so many here, but I'm going to go ahead and give one that has repl- – it is one of their best that has replaced the quote-unquote official version, and it totally validates an entire vanity project by Paul McCartney. A lot of lead-up, right? We'll be right back. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Oh, we're not – this isn't a thing? Okay. Fine. <laughs> I got carts, like old radio. Throw the cart. Here's a PSA. Forest fires are bullshit. Don't set a fire in a forest. Um – uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the <laughs> Let It Be Naked fusion of, I think, I may be wrong, Beetle Nerds, correct me here. I think it's two different versions of the rooftop of rooftop takes of Don't Let Me Down. The, mm. Let it be Na- the Let It Be Naked, Don't Let Me Down has become, in my mind, and that's what, been one of my favorite Beatles songs, I mean, ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, one of the first albums I lived in was, was the Hey Jude album. And, of course, it's also on the, the, the Blue album. But the Let It Be Naked take is just, it's aggressive and it's raw and the harmonies of Paul and John flubbing. The, There's the, the flubs lyrics. in there. I was going to ask. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I always love the flub. Yeah. Because it's just so, it's kooky. He doesn't just say like, ah, blah, 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 fuck. God damn it. He's like, googly doob, you know, <laughs> which shows the humor. Like, and that's, yeah, like, you know. Yeah, it's not like they anyway, they're not weird owl, but they they had humor. <laughs> no, it's 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 the goons. It's all that yes. it's it's 
all the shit that George Martin produced that uh, the comedy records that they loved to spike Mulligan, I think, and all these yeah. people. Yeah. Cause they were funny. They were, they were all, all you had to do is watch your hard day's night to understand how funny they were. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You might be right. Yeah. Yeah. And the Bonzos and all that Bonzo dog doodah band and magical mystery tour and the death cat for cutie song. Death, death cat for cutie pulled cutie. their name from that scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I love it. Um, yeah, that, that's a great pick. That's a great song. I totally get it. Um, well, we are at my number one. I, I tell you what, it's not like a giant, huge song. It's very me, TJ. It's very whatever. But so the, I have not actually, this is a hard one to find. So it's the song Julia, right? And it's the Esher version, but it's the Esher version before vocals. There was an, there's an instrumental version of Julia that I got at one of those record shows on a tape. You know, so I don't know where it came from. I like, you know, it was a mix. It was a let it or it was a it was an Esher Esher demos mix, but it was on the very end of it. I could anyway. I don't have it on hand, but that's really hard to find because on anthology, it's the vocal version, and uh, I like all the anthology outtakes of them figuring it out and learning it. Um, but there's something, and again, it goes back to that Donovan style guitar picking that I find so just beautiful and hypnotic and i just love it i don't know that i have ever heard it except there's a moment in the in the that Cirque du Soleil show love where right before they go to eleanor rigby pretty early you hear instrumental julia that unless it's just separated from the original track, I don't know if that's from that demo, but that's the only time I've just heard that kind of picking accompaniment to Julia. I don't know that I've heard the full version you're talking about. Now I got to find it like immediately. Yeah. I, I was able oh. to find it once. I was able to find it once online. It's really, and yeah, I, I used it for a show. I wanted to use it for, it was that Beatles show I made about the Beatles tribute band that couldn't play instruments. Um, that I did at the United Theater, uh, however many years ago, eight years ago or something <laughs> like that. But I was using that as a, uh, interstitial between two scenes. And, uh, anyway, it was hard to find. And again, I, and I, I only have it on cassette. So like, I don't, I don't even ever hear this song. So maybe this is my love letter to like find that song again, that version. But I just Whoa. love it. <laughs> Now, is that on that the White Album uh, Deluxe Edition, which, by the way, thank you, EMI, was only $600. I really appreciate making me rebuy the White Album again for cleaned up versions of, you know, of piggies. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. But oh, I do. Is, 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 it on, is it on that? I just can't remember. No, the- no, it's not even on that, man. It's still this okay. one is still not out. Yeah. Okay. And again, it, it really is, it is a, it is a collector scum kind of a thing. It's, it's, it's not like, I think this is the greatest Beatle outtake. This is my favorite Beatle outtake. So, so what, what makes this, and this is one of the most personal of all John Lennon songs. Um, it is just a crazy, what a way to close the f- side two of the White Album. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, lo- yeah. I love, yeah, I just love that song. I always have. And. I can't explain it any further really than just that, <laughs> just that. The, the whole way that side closes with I will into Julia 
is among the more uh, wistful and emotional closings of any, and granted, it's just the, it's the end of the first half of that album, but in terms of album enders, it's a really emotional way to prep for, you know, and all of a sudden you hear the drum intro to birthday, you know? Yeah, man. For you CD listeners or you, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, it's when you were just changing the record, hearing that in 68, 69, 70, didn't have a tape deck. Probably you're listening to that in the three, four minutes it takes to take the record off, put on side three, put on birthday. You've got to really be taking that emotion in. Oh yeah. Never thought of it yeah. that way. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that was fun. Do you have any uh, honorable mentions? Any surprises? Any? Let's yeah, let's let's breeze through some honorable mentions. We mentioned one last week. I'll give you a couple, then feel free to give me a couple. The uh, non-high giggling and your bird can sing. Working yeah. through that is just joyful, and the high giggling is fine. But like with anybody, <laughs> high giggling. <laughs> it's after after two minutes of it, you're like, okay. I love yeah. uh, Wil- Wilco did a uh, one of their whatever their Massachusetts festival is like a solid sound. Maybe I'm not if I'm remembering correctly, but they did all covers a couple years ago. Their Beatles cover was and your bird can sing. And after it's over, Tweedy says to the audience, Jeff Tweedy goes, it's such a great moment. He goes, you know, we worked so hard on learning that great song and it's over so fast. Let's, who wants to hear us do it again? And they just go right back and they're like, we can do it better the second time. Right. And they go back and nail it again. Oh, that's so great. It's a cool Wilco moment of the crowds loving it. They're like, we spent so long getting this right and now it's over. So that's one. Um, that yeah. George, the George electric, all things must pass demo. Uh, it's nothing to me shows how fraught those relationships were that they weren't able to see the beauty of that song. And thank God they did it because it became the hallmark and title song of maybe one of the three best solo Beatles albums ever released. So, you know, everything for a reason. Right. But it's just so weird. You hear that, that electric demo and you're like, Oh my God, how do you not, how do you not do that? Um, And the last one I'll give you, and this is one that's just, all the different versions of Beatles songs, when you're a Beatle nerd, you never know what's in your head. You hear different versions at other times. Penny Lane with the trumpet coda at the end <laughs> should be the standard. That's you a rarity, so? too. I do. It's such a great day. <laughs> Penny Lane, bum, 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 over the little cymbal trill. Like, <laughs> to me, that's such a great version, yeah. Do you still, do you put that in your head when you hear it? Without it, you put always. it in there. Yeah, always, and I'm always disappointed when I don't. Yeah, and I kind of do that with "Camp on Me Love" on the the single version. I'll throw those uh, those call and responses in the verse. You know, uh, yeah, I like things like "Besame Mucho." First time I ever, I think their version is the first time I ever heard that song. So, um, cha cha boom. Yeah, it starts off. It's it's fun. Yeah, it starts with the cool descending guitar thing, and then McCartney. Yeah, that one's fun. I like, um, what else do I, uh, 12 bar original. No, I don't, I don't like 12 bar. plotting. Not the best jam band. Anytime no. the Beatles are jamming a record, it's like, all right. Um, yeah, I mean, I like that, that I actually like the instrumental version of the inner light, you know, no offense to, yeah. uh, George. I love his vocal on there too, but there's something fun about it on its own. Um, 
Yeah, I'm trying to, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I really do think they, they pretty much hit it, you know, with what they did put out. I don't think they really made any real, real mistakes, but, uh, that's, that's maybe that's a future episode is Beatles mistakes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> I mean, solo mistakes. There are plenty. <laughs> There's a certain John Lennon song that was only a sing, uh, single and on sometime in New York City and Shave Fish that you can't play anymore. It's a statement song. Yeah, that, like, I love that song. Play it then. I think I was so spooked out by the title. The title of it always made me never love and that the kind of off key elephants memory saxophone intro. It's like, <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I Elephant's love that song. Every band sucks. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go track by track on some time in New York City. Oh, you know what I, I want to do? I'm gonna, we're going to go head to toe on approximately inner <laughs> universe, infinite universe. Uh, I fucked it up. Just solo Yoko, Yoko, right Yoko yep. I will. I will defend that that particular solo Yoko record. That's a, that's an episode. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> And hey, I will defend the Yoko Yoko to me on Milk and Honey was way improved over Yoko and Double Fantasy. That's Yoko, that whole mid 80s seasons of glass, all that Yoko. This is, yeah, we, the, now, we've lost the two remaining non dead people who have been watching us. <laughs> all right, well, let's get the hell out of here. Uh, thanks, TJ. Uh, and I'm Tony. Thank you. Uh, this is the Untitled Beatles podcast. We'll see you later. <laughs> and come up with a better outro. (laughs) Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe.